Money is an iron. It creases out problems. You're entering a cosmic void. Welcome to a cosmic void. I'm Biggs. I'm Jeremiah. And today, my friends, we are hitting the bong. And by that, I'm talking about Parasite. Yep. Bong Jun Ho. And we'll get right back to that in just a second. But we have poll questions I wanted to get to. So if you get an anchor account, and I'll remind you again at the end of the podcast, you can answer these poll questions and you can send us a voicemail and we might use it on the show. I wanted to read off the two that we have closed out here. So the first one was for Bad Santa. Which Santa would concern you most with your child? So 0% picked Billy Bob Thornton from Bad Santa, <laughs> Homer Simpsons from the pilot episode of The Simpsons, Mel Gibson from Fat Man, and Goldberg from Santa Slay. 100% picked Rick Smiley from Friday After Next. <laughs> and then this next one, I think, might be a troll. I don't know, but what is the third best Ghostbusters movie? 0% picked Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters Answer the Call, and Ghostbusters Afterlife. 100% picked Ghostbusters. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. That's hilarious. I mean, I respect your opinion, kind of, but I don't believe it. <laughs> anyway, let's get into our history with Parasite. What's your history with this movie, Jeremiah? Bro, I went through this phase in probably 2014 where I was like into the whole kaiju thing. And I was like, you know what? I want to start watching like Japanese monster movies and shit like that. Did and you think this was an anime? No. So someone put me on to the host and I watched that fucking movie. In great movie. A great movie. I, I wasn't very into foreign movies. And this was probably one of the first foreign movies I saw that I was like, wow, this is fucking amazing. The cast, uh, the monster effects. It, it's a very good movie. It was one of Bong's first movies and uh then he would go on to do snowpiercer which i had watched but did not know was him which kind of sucks and we're gonna eventually cover this movie at some point yeah, because 100%, I, we've talked about yeah, this 100 yeah this yeah. is definitely something i want to do so we will be hitting the bong once again later on i watched snowpiercer really enjoyed that and when i heard parasite was coming out i was pretty much like frothing at the mouth excited because that dude i feel like only does really good movies and he has a lot to say with his movies that are horrific at times but lighthearted at times completely hysterical and just it's so many different emotions that it, he's just a r really good director and I'm very into whatever he does. So yeah, uh, I think any consistent listeners will know how I feel about Bong Joon-ho yeah. because not only have we talked about him here and there over the podcast, but two episodes ago, we had that episode with uh, Carl and I because you yeah, couldn't yeah, make I, it. And uh, I picked Bong Joon-ho as my number five auteur director yeah. working. So I fucking love Bong Joon-ho. But my history with this movie was 
was I was following the Oscar race really, really tightly and like trying to get out ahead of everything when I was doing mm-hmm. box office battle. And I heard about it when it first hit Cannes. I think that's where it premiered and won the Palme d'Or. I was like excited to see this movie because I knew it was the guy who did Snowpiercer, right? I even knew his name at the time because I've seen a couple of his movies at that point. I think I'd seen The Host, I had seen Snowpiercer, and I had seen Mother. Mm-hmm. And so I was very, very excited to do Mother's the one I haven't seen yet. Oh, it's so fucking good. It's on Hulu as well. Oh, right is now. it? Yeah, dope. yeah. It's it's worth it, man. But anyway, so I was waiting and waiting and waiting for this to come. And then finally, almost a year later, it hit the Myrna Loy Theater here. It premiered on the night of the art walk here, which is like all these businesses put out their bags with candles or whatever, and, and they have art everywhere and you can get wine and stuff. And so I was a little bit turnt and uh, <laughs> I had nobody with me. So I went in to go see the movie by myself and I fucking loved it. And it was one of those things I came out and for the next couple of months was just t- telling everybody I know you need to see Parasite. Like you need to. It's like this giant movie that is going to like be one of the best movies you've ever seen. Like you need to go see it. And everybody would kind of nod, but nobody would do it. And then it won best picture and then Trump talked shit about it. And then all of a sudden, everybody I knew turned out to the Myrna Loy Theater and saw it or caught it on Hulu because they started streaming it on Hulu, I think like a week after the Academy Awards. And so all of a sudden, everybody saw it. And that gave me cred because it was just like, holy shit, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I'm like, I know, because the only other one I remember really talking to people that way about was Get Out. Like when I saw Get Out, it was the same Absolutely. deal. I like, tried to like it's tell something... everybody it's so entertaining and so good. Like everybody will love this movie and you know it was hard to get people turned on to that and then eventually people found get out but that was even an easier sell than parasite until it won best picture so once we start getting into the movie i'm sure you have probably seen this movie or heard someone talk about it it, it is very uh very real i the the story he's telling there's so many funny things and cool moments but uh it, it's very grounded it is one of the funniest comedies and then one of the saddest the tragedies most devastating and it all works that's the thing is it takes this giant swing and it never falters and that's yeah. why this movie is so loved and it's talking about real shit but then it's also has horror aspects to it and absolutely works within that genre when they do oh, it yeah. as well like it's just a crazy movie to describe but i do want to say right now before we enter the void you know that's when we hit spoiler territory this is one that you really should watch and not listen to this podcast until you watch it i really would do that mm-hmm. i mean because this is a movie you just genuinely don't this, want ruined this is you. an interesting experience that happened to me so when i i forgot to mention this in my um, thing but uh when i first watched this movie i uh, borrowed it from the internet and um the copy i borrowed did not have subtitles so i had to watch it just straight up that was a whole experience dude to be honest no subtitles just trying to kind of read the body language and uh you know kind of get what they're saying it was honestly kind of cool so last night was the first time i watched it not in the theater i went to it twice i actually am glad i didn't watch it in the theater only in the sense that i feel like the vibe of watching this movie should be you're at home watching a movie i disagree and like i mean look this is how you're watching this poor 
people. I, like, I disagree. Like when you watch it, like you're I, supposed to be that family. You know what I mean? And I feel when like you watch it, dude, you feel the laughs and it elevates everything. And then when it goes dark, you feel it with the audience. And it was one of those few movies that I walked out and every single person walking out of the theater, both times it was sold out. And both times, like literally every person was just frothing at the mouth to talk about it. The second the movie was over, it is an experience that was amazing. Are you excited for the TV show? Yeah, we'll get back to that. That's source (laughs) material. The Kim family is struggling to get by. Ki-woo gets a job working for a wealthy family and their fortunes change and not necessarily for the better. You're entering the void. The Kim family. Mother Chung-suk, daughter Ki-chung, and son Ki-woo live in a small semi-basement apartment in Seoul. They have uh, low-paying temporary jobs, folding pizza boxes, and struggle to make ends meet. And honestly, struggle at even making the fucking pizza boxes, which was an issue that they had. I mean, I guess we should start right here. They basically live in a shithole apartment that's infested with bugs to the point where... When you say basement apartment, like literally the window is... Uh, to the top of their house is about three inches above the ground. And that's important for later. They're literally underground. And you can see everybody in this neighborhood has Mm -hmm. apartments like this. And it's at the bottom of this giant. And there's literally just a drunk dude pissing outside of their house regularly. Like, yep. They're fumigating. And and they're like, I'll leave the windows open. The father tells them to leave the windows open because he sees like a stink bug. Yeah. And so he just like wants to fumigate the house and they're just like coughing and stuff because the windows it are just ratting it out in poison. Yeah, because he's like, it's free fumigation. They're making these pizza boxes and they're doing a thing where they're just folding every box into the shape. 25% of them are irregular. So she eventually offers 45. It, no, it's only 25, 25 is I just good. It. It's good. No, right? no, she said 25% were irregular. Oh. So she'll, she'll dock 10% of the pay. And then he says, well, we'll accept that if you get me a part-time job he's like kind of trying to hustle he knows some information about a big order that they're getting and it doesn't quite pay off but he's trying to like open the door for more work because it seems like all four of them are unemployed but you also (laughs) see like them dealing with being poor with the cell phones i think that's a big part of this movie right like she's trying to get service oh they changed the wi-fi yeah they don't have service (laughs) and they changed the wi-fi and there's one wi-fi that they can get but he the father's like hold it up high so they're holding up high and they can't get it and they have a toilet at the in this little riser and the back end of their apartment near the window and so her and her brother are up like holding the phones up high near the toilet so that they can get wi-fi it's just like the conditions are just awful but they seem to be relatively happy and they're dealing with it right the son has a friend that pulls up and gives him this rock it's supposed to be some sentimental thing yeah it's supposed to bring wealth to their family and so the father thanks them, and they're all kind of like, okay, food. I think the mother says food would be better. <laughs> and then they go out to eat, right? Yeah. University student Min Hayuk, a friend of Kiwu's, gives the family a scholar stone meant to promise wealth. Leaving to study abroad and knowing his friend needs income, he suggests that Kiwu pose as a university student to take over his job as an English tutor for the daughter of wealthy Park family, Dahai. Kiwu impersonating as a Yunose university student is subsequently hired by the parks. So this is really important to note that it's all 
all based off of being recommended. The mother is... He says, how can I put it? She's a simpleton, right? And that is accurate. Like, she's not a very smart she or aware cook, person. She doesn't clean. She's she always drugged out. understand how to take care of things. She's just like, ugh. She's a she tr- throws money at it. She's a trophy wife. She's a trophy wife, for yeah, sure. She's a trophy wife who wants drugs. And we find that out later. But, like, she's zoned out because she's on drugs, right? Like, yeah. you have a part where she passes out in yeah. a chair and the housekeeper is going in front of her head to like wake her up (laughs) like she's out of it he gets recommended from his friend which is probably enough but then he goes to his sister and she forges a document to make it look like he's in college to make it legit which apparently they didn't have to do but like that sets into motion some other things as well he's like it's not just that he's posing as a university person he almost idolizes his friend you could see it right in the beginning of their interaction where his friend is definitely wealthier than him. I mean, like, watch as he walks in to their house. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, They're, like, moving yeah. shit around. They're like, oh, my God, Kibu's here. Like, oh, let me clean everything. Oh, but the friend, here. the friend also believes in him and is kind of using him because he, yeah, wants, he to wants to hook up with the 16-year-old yeah. daughter. Just, just for context, I believe that the son we're going to talk about and his friend are 18, I right. believe. And this girl is probably I definitely, 16. I definitely a, think that the relationship's kind of fucked up, for sure. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just like, yeah. I, I think before we talk about this, I think there's a couple of people I heard <laughs> out of the theater being like, well, he's quite a bit older than her. And I was like, I don't think he is. I think he's two years older than her, just to give some context mm-hmm. to that. Because I don't think that's what Bong Joon-ho was really talking but, about. You know, But f- he wants his friend to do it because he wants to come back and get this girl when he's done with college. No, when so she he's goes basically, to college. He's basically using his friend as a placeholder so that some other guy doesn't swoop in and start dating her. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it is. The Kim family schemes to get each member of the family a job by posing as an unrelated and highly qualified worker to become servants of the parks. His sister, I guess uh, just to kind of dissect what i just said we um, have like that's so yeah, vague yeah. absolutely um, <clears throat> first off the son when he comes in he's not a great math student like no. they, they established that before but he's good enough at english where the guy thinks he can do it so he goes in to help her with her math and he's like are you going back to 24 because if this was a real exam you would have failed because you would have struggled with 24 getting the right answer is one thing but i want you to slash through the answers and of course the mother likes this because he's just saying it with conviction that's all yeah, you he's just really do. good at talking. Yep. If you want to like con somebody, you just say it with absolute conviction. That's what I mean go, about the oh. professionalism. Like he looked at his buddy and was like, I need to be that. I need to be a grade A meat, fucking top of the line, alpha male, like, and take this shit and handle it and look good doing it and, you know, have that swagger with that. Like, I feel like that's the vibe. They're conning this family, but they're also trying to be that upper class thing. Yeah. And then the song, the woman's son, he comes out and then he's got this drawing. She's, she's all like about, asking she, about it. Yeah, yeah. She's talking about how she's hired a lot of art teachers, but they always like quit after a month. And so he's like, oh, I know this art teacher, but she's very much in demand. I don't know if I could get her, but like I could talk to her for you if you want. She's like, absolutely. So then he goes to his sister because we established she was really good at forging those documents. Right. And her sister runs the funniest her scam. Dude, she's the so fucking, fucking good at it. 
she like comes in and she's like basically buttoned down, looks very strict. Her posture is very straight, which she doesn't act like this most of the time. But when she's this character, she, you know, she's going over lines as they walk up. And she just like immediately the, the mother likes to sit in on the first session like the boy told her that. And so she wants the boy to color and she's like, I do not allow parents in there. Like she's just like strictly like throws the mother out of the room. And so the mother like goes along with it. And then she wants to send the maid up to like spy on it. But then she comes down and she's talking about this one region, how there's this like shape that's in it. And she goes, we call this the schizophrenic zone. <laughs> Because she says she's also an art psychologist, which is such bullshit. And the mother's like looking at it and she's like, he's got that in his other painting. And she's just like, we need to spend time yeah, with We this need to child. do like four sessions a week. My fee is very high. And she's she like, literally freaks out the mom. The mom's like, <gasps> like, yeah, just covers shy. her mouth. Yeah, and she's all like fucked up. Like, she's like, absolutely anything. Absolutely. Yeah. So she found a way to not only get a high paying job, but to basically double or triple the salary right. of that high paying job. Like, fucking genius. And then she's being driven by the driver. And the driver hits on her really hard. Yeah, he wants to take her home, which I think this is a, a like a cultural thing. You don't want somebody to take you home because you'll feel shame because they kind of allude to that later, right? Mm -hmm. And so she's saying, I just want to go to the train station. But there's dual meaning behind that, right? Because like, A, it makes it look like she's honorable. But B, she also doesn't want this guy to know that she lives in this poor section, right? So like, mm -hmm. she cannot but he was also be dropped like, off. Prodding her like you sure you just want to go yes home? but that's like... what i'm saying there's two reasons she, like a whether she wants that or not which she clearly doesn't then like you don't want him to take home but b it gives away the con because she's mm -hmm. she's pretending to not be poor she's pretending to not be related to him right mm -hmm. it fucks it all up if he drops her off in in this section so she refuses to do that but then she realizes this is an opportunity so she takes her panties off and she puts it under the car where the driver will find it and then starts talking to her father Father, you drove Benz's before when you were a driver, right? And he's just like, no, but I did when I was a valet. They basically set it up so that the father finds the panties underneath the seat, thinks he's like a sexual freak for fucking in his car. And so he's going to subtly fire the guy. And then she goes in and suggests her father because she said, like, he worked for her family. And then her, but her family just relocated to this Illinois. Now this whole thing about, like, how she came from America because, like, that's a big deal to them for whatever from reason. From Delaware? Yeah. No, Illinois, Illinois is what they say. Because, like, basically the same thing. You, you can tell <laughs> with the wealthier people, for some reason, they respect, at least this family respects American things. Like, later on, you see a teepee and She's like, well, it must be good. We got it from America. Like, they're wondering if it's going to leak or whatever, which I would say, like, not always a great sign because there's a lot of shoddy ass products. They should have made the kids sick at one point. That would have been funny. Like, because it was shitty. Okay. So the cook, number one, like, she pokes her nose into everything. So that's bad for them anyway. But then they want to get the mother in and they found out she's got a peach allergy because they're not allowed to have. And they just started the fucking. Oh, dude, they like take a razor and shave off the fuzz of a peach. And he just walks by behind her <laughs> and just like licks this dust. And so she starts like coughing and stuff. And then so they're doing this when she is around the wife. You keep seeing that like the wife is not really with it, but it gets worse every time they 
cut back to it, she gets dumber and dumber, right? Like you start to realize the depths of her ineptitude. And it finally culminates in the father is seeing her at a train station because he follows her and he goes to take a selfie, which he tells her it's of himself for his wife. It's just but like literally it's half her. of his face and her entire body like framed. So it's so clearly not what he was doing, but she buys it wholesale and he says it's at a hospital. It's obviously at a bus station, but like they don't know what a bus station looks like. They've never been in a bus station. So they assume, yes, it's a hospital. You could probably assume they've got like a private doctor or something like that, you know? And so he tells her that she was saying loudly on the phone that she has tuberculosis. When she goes back to the house, like the mother doesn't want to believe it at first, but she starts to believe it. But, you know, they haven't quite pushed it over the edge yet. So when the mother's there, they do the peach thing again. They give her her rashes and then she starts to cough. And then she's by the garbage can and like throws a thing in there. And then as the mother walks out, the father takes a packet of hot sauce and just sprays it across like a napkin. And then he like timidly picks it up and it looks like it was like coughed into and had blood in it. They don't want to address what's really going on. So she just lets her go. I, uh, and then the mother gets brought in. I, I did forget to mention something. Uh, I wanted to have these little moments called hitting the bong. The mother is an Olympic athlete. Yeah. And that's significant because in the host, he also made the aunt an Olympic athlete. So there, he is just one of those things that Bong always includes in his little universe of. Yeah, he's an actor, he so he has a lot of things that. Yeah. Come that, uh, the You're dad, always going to get something about the class. The dad is pretty much always in. Uh, he's in four of his movies. Yeah, he's yeah. like pretty much his right hand guy. If, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Um, the dude that made uh, Chappie, he always has that British dude. That's kind of like his guy. Yeah, actors do that a lot. They reuse actors. And then, like you said, uh, class struggle which is like straight up pretty much every movie he's done right yeah if you want a real good breakdown on bong joon ho i do it two episodes ago so listen that top five uh i'll tour director's episode uh ki woo begins a secret romantic relationship with dahi pretty much almost immediately you get a feeling she's she likes to go for the teachers, right? Uh, yeah, it, I I would say uh, the way I took it, it was a very inappropriate relationship for sure. It's always inappropriate when you're a teacher yeah. and you're getting with the student. Like, so, it's just not appropriate. They set it up where, like, she's seeing the art teacher and she's like, you like her, don't you? Like, you're attracted to her. And he's just like, oh, my God, that's my sister. But he's playing it up like, yeah, she's attractive, I guess, like kind of thing. <laughs> and so it's like making her jealous, making her like him, right? Like, he's playing this perfectly. Like, this family, you can tell it's not the first time they've run scams. And it won't be the last (laughs) for some of them anyway. So, the Parks leave on a camping trip. The Kims reveal uh, revel in the luxuries of the residence before Moon Gawang uh, rubbly appears at the door. They're basically getting turned up and they're getting drunk, drunk as fuck and like it's messy as shit. Like they've they're like, just fucking they're like they're having these conversations where it's like, man, I wonder what it would be like to live here. And they're like, that's like we do live here. Yeah. What are you talking about? We do live here. We take care of all this shit. 
throws a bottle. They're just getting fucked. Well, no, no. Him. When he throws a bottle, it's because the mother, she insults him somehow. Like, she's fucking around with him, but she says something insulting to him. And then he yells and, like, sweeps everything off the table and breaks all these bottles. And then they just start laughing because he's just fucking with the kids. Because, like, this is part of their thing is, like, scamming people. This is how they get through life, right? right? But, like, they're also scamming themselves in this mo- moment because they are not the ones that are rich. And they've already seen through their actions that, like, people are just summarily dismissed in and out of this life. Like, you don't know what happens to them. And they have that moment of guilt where they're just like, are they going to be doing okay? Because he's talking about the dr- getting the driver fired and the daughter just doesn't even want to think about it. She's like, we need to take care of ourselves, right? They're setting up this class struggle. It's like they are basically pitted against each other, whether the rich intend to do it or not, because the rich have all the resources. They have this amazing house. And like, how do they deal with all of this stuff in a very selfish way? Let me give an example. The housekeeper who we're about to talk about again in a second, they think she has tuberculosis, right? So instead of like paying for her to see the doctor, giving her some time off, like hiring somebody temporarily, she makes up an excuse and gets rid of her because to her, she's basically, she's the most important thing until she's not. Then she's The driver getting fired makes sense for sure. But even that's fucked up because like no, he's no. acting like he's like he's acting like it's this big thing and like it's it's so scandalous and all this. He's got this relationship with his wife where he clearly doesn't love her and like the driver alludes to this a couple of times in the movie and she's only with him for drugs and they make it clear and then while he's supposed to be watching his kid through the window later he's like diddling her she's like get me more drugs and then like wants her to put on the panties he found in the car. It's not okay for you to be doing this but it's okay for me to like take this thing that you left and then use it as a sex object. It's completely hypocritical, you know? You know, we're starting to see the dad's also cracking too. He's making mistakes, not driving as well. Uh, Even Mr. Kim, like, pretty much has that conversation with his wife where he's like, you know, he, he comes really close to crossing the line all the time, but never crosses the line. But he smells like shit. You know, and they're like just oh, that, talking shit about it. Yeah, that started with the kid, right? Because the kid comes up and uh, like smells him. Like so uh, just this. goes up and smells him like he's an animal or something and then goes and smells all the other help. And she's they like, all they smell all the smell same. the same. Yeah. It just makes my stomach turn every time I watch that because that's just like so dehumanizing the way that all of that is handled. And they're talking about how apparently they need to use different soap and different detergent to smell different. But then the sister is like, there's nothing thing we can do about it it's the area we live in like all the pollution basically just settles down in the area they're in so they're just always going to smell that way because of how they live they can't help it right but the father is driving around in a car with them all the time and he's always like like he's always doing this thing with the smell and he sees it every time in the rearview mirror and he's just got to like swallow it and deal with that like oh god how infuriating you know like just having somebody sniff you all the time and judging you like right. that. Ugh. Um, so the maid comes back and claims that she left some shit in the basement that she needs to get. And she says, don't worry, I cut the closed circuit television. She won't get in trouble for letting her in the right. house. But what's she really after, Jeremiah? <laughs> so, in the basement. And once again, dude, if you're listening to this. This is the big spoiler. And you've never seen this before. I highly recommend you turn this shit off. Yeah, right and now. watch it and come back to it. So that's your last warning. Yeah, last warning. So basically, she is stuck in a crevasse between 
this thing that holds up like pickled food. A big shelf. It's like a big shelf and this concrete wall. And she's trying to separate them. And she's like, get over here. Help me move this thing. And there's something caught underneath. Yeah, there's something. There's like a grill thing caught underneath. So they move it. She like falls and like smash. She fucks her face up. Because she's like trying to push with her entire body. (laughs) And so when the. so funny. (laughs) And so when the wife sees that it's that great, she pulls it out and then it separates and she just goes boom and hits the. This stone. is the great move by Bong that he always does is right in these moments where it's hysterical the way her body is pivoted up like symmetrically, like trying to push. It's not the even shelf. symmetrical because she's at an angle. Yeah. Right? Like she's completely <laughs> bent. So when it comes out, she's like flat and just yeah. face first. <laughs> Literally, it's the, it's oh my God, hilarious. that would hurt. Yeah. Right next to Probably the most devastating first thing that happens in this movie where you realize there's a bomb shelter in this house. Not a lot of people know about it. Not a bomb shelter. So this is specifically a thing. And I know they'll probably say in Wikipedia, but it's wrong. Because they literally say it's there in case, in in case North Korea attacks. Yeah, North Korea attacks. And so, like, it's a place to go. I guess they took that as a bomb shelter. Yeah, I mean, like, that's like American thinking in a way. Because, yeah. like, we have bomb shelters here and that's a thing. It's but mean- this is specifically yeah. to hide in case North Korea comes in. It's like a panic room yeah. is what it is. So it's a secret room behind this shelf that holds pickled stuff. They She just runs down it. And, you know, the mom is like, what the fuck? So she starts going forward. She's screaming for And it's the Okay. I should just say this about lighting before we go further. So when you're seeing the lighting within, you know, our main character's house, Mm -hmm. it's like very poor. It's fluorescent. It almost has a sick feeling to it. And then when you're in this house, it's like warm colors and it's a lot of natural light. Like it Mm -hmm. looks beautiful. They go into the basement and it's nothing but like flickery, flickery fluorescent light light like Pissed it's like yellow awful. yeah this is the worst that you've seen the lighting Lights. like there's so many details that are so important in this you movie. immediately like if you're watching the the family you're like oh this is poverty and then when you see the place that this fucking dude's living destitution holy fuck like basically her husband has been living in that spot for seven years, something like that. Four years. Four years. Something crazy because he borrowed a bunch of money from a loan shark and they want to kill him because he never paid it back, basically. He paid all of his bills with debt Which, collectors. can I be honest with you? I don't believe that. What I took from it was this dude is mentally sick. Very, very mentally sick. And she didn't know what to do with him and he was, like, dangerous. So she found this spot because she was probably working there and she was like, you have to live here. Partly right, but I think you got the message wrong a little bit. For sure. I just this like the movie- loan shark thing seemed kind of like a like a thing she just brought up to be like, please, I'm a good person. I just fucked up. And I I really feel like it was more so that this dude was like fucking crazy and she so needed to put him there. What I think happened, because I think it fits thematically this way. Or maybe we're movie. not supposed to know. I think he's just poor as shit. Like mm-hmm. they're poor as shit. He got the debts and the loan, definitely, loan definitely sharks. Definitely poor. And then went down into that area to hide from him. And I think he became mentally ill because he is like living underground, no windows, no fresh air for most of the time. Like he's being brought down meals the very few Do you times know what fallout that is? there's nobody there. That vibe though of the like vault dwellers, like living in a fucking cave for generations, how they become like, oh, vault leader, you are God. 
I got vibes like that from him because he had been sitting there so long that there's like a power shortage for these three lights that he has been manually running these three lights pretending like when the guy walks in when the guy walks up right because you see that when he comes home from work you see light go on light go off light go on light go off light go on light go off it's him smacking ascending the stairs and that's symbolic too right like he's going up and the light follows him and then you have somebody underneath like who's beneath him right like in the lower class and that's the other thing that's why i think he went insane underground I think they're trying to say that like living in extreme poverty starts to drive you crazy, Mm -hmm. which is true. The poorer you are, the harder it is to like get your creature comforts and like self-actualize and to live just start to go crazy to live right next to that dude i be devastating the parts of my life where i felt the most unhinged is when i'm always struggling so hard financially you know i've been there man i've lived in a fucking shitty ass trailer for parts of my life like i've been poor as shit i've never been on the street poor though and like a friend of mine has and he said he started to go crazy like he was living in his car and it was just like the the fact that you can never get a good night's sleep you're always getting moved by the cops or worrying they're gonna arrest you for vagrancy you've got like people doing god knows what when they walk near your car like you just start to go crazy like and i think that's what they're showing with that guy is he has literally gone insane because he is underground he's in extreme poverty and it's the only way he can keep living is by just like living underneath and feeding off of the scraps of the family essentially right Right. It's funny because they referenced this earlier, but they talk about how the son had this nightmare where he went downstairs to eat some cake and it was on his birthday and he woke up and started screaming and said he saw someone. And then he ran back upstairs. And they show a flashback of it. And you just see the guy ascending the stairs, right? So you just see, just like, from his eyes up. But it's fucking creepy the way it's lit. And this guy is, like, half crazed as well. So it's like, yeah, I get that, dude. I would think it was a ghost, too. Right. <laughs> Moon Guang films them on her phone. Basically, the Kim family falls the fuck down the stairs because they all get curious. And he's like, Dad, I broke my leg, stuff like that. And so they're recording it. So she's got evidence that they're a family that moved in and lied about who they are. She threatens to expose them uh, and the roots of the parks. A severe rainstorm brings the parks home early. And the Kims uh, scramble to clean up everything. Subdue Moon Guang and Gun Sai before they return. Kim's trap, Gun San and Moon Guang in the bunker. Miss Park reveals to Chung Suk that the song had a seizure inducing traumatic experience. Oh, this is where she explains the ghost story. I just want to say though, this scene is fucking devastating uh it's funny in aspects of it but it is fucking horrific to watch because basically what happens is they're rushing to clean everything they're shoving shit underneath the couch we need to back up a little bit just a little bit so the maid is holding up the phone oh yeah with, and like the send button and like they start out in the basement right and he's like they don't have cell service and she's like no it's working pretty good down here she's like basically making them hold their hands up and sit in the corner of the room and, and just like torturing them with the fact that she can just send this video and they're kind of laughing about it and then they suddenly attack her and they get the phone 
out of her hand, right? Then she calls to come over. They wind up tying him up and like getting him down below. The father is stuck they down rub below with peaches them. in her face. Yeah, yeah. She goes. <laughs> she goes like peaches. the sister runs and grabs a bag of peaches because they weren't allowed to have peaches. So now that she's not there, they're fucking eating peaches everywhere, which is important because she goes and grabs that bag of peaches and just pours it onto her face. And so like she of course like starts to break out. So they left. Then she goes running out. They try to put her in the room, but she goes running up to get it. And the mother just like kind of like fucking kicks out her leg and she goes down the stairs and fucking no, dude, gets a concussion. It's worse than that. It's literally she's running up the stairs. The Kim family basically showed the fuck up and they're getting done. She They wanted some fucking noodle thing yeah. for the kids. So she's cooking, getting ready. The, also, we should say the placement of the basement is symmetrical to the kitchen yeah so while she's cooking and stuff she's walking around behind she basically the chick runs up the stairs and she just turns around kicks her down the fucking stairs straight the fuck up that's what it's like nothing (laughs) but it's so it gives her a concussion it like just it's so devastating dude and she falls down this concrete fucking stairs her husband's down there like trapped down there with him and so he starts seeing the depths of his insanity how he's like hitting these switches when the the guy comes in and he's like tied up so he's like hitting it with his head and stuff like that you know and like he's trying to do morse code for the kid so of course the kid thinks this is a ghost but he's like the kids in cub scouts so he'll understand the morse code right meanwhile like you've got the other two members of the family you got the boy was reading the girl's journal and so he goes and returns it he's under her bed she comes home flops down like the dog's kind of coming under she almost looks under and then realizes there was food cooked and they ate it without her so she's like throwing a tizzy fit running off uh you have the sister like gets under the big table and then eventually they're trying to let him out but like the family comes around because the son wants to set up his teepee while it's raining and sleep in the teepee Three of them just wind up bunched up together under the dining room table, which is huge, while the parents decide to just watch their kid through the window in the teepee. And have sex. And do <laughs> everything about that so insanely uncomfortable, right? Like, they're laying there, and then they start out with, What's like, your face starts texting her boyfriend too so he's just like she's texting the boyfriend so he's underneath it having to like respond to her silently so like that's uncomfortable the father starts talking about the smell of the driver and so you just see him and just like the humanity oh my god dude just how devastated he is like hearing this and then the guy starts talking about his wife using the panties and then so you got the sister it's her panties so she's just sitting there he starts basically rubbing her off and it's just like every part of that is so fucking uncomfortable and they just have to sit there until the boy just the drugs i'm dirty like it's just so fucking gross they fall asleep they manage to dip basically they come back to everything's being flooded straight the fuck up beautiful storm that the kid wanted to go sit out Right, Side for them at the top of the hill, it's just a thing that he can play with and use as a... Devastatingly just destroying the whole neighborhood, dude. Yep. Like, like everything's flooded. The shitter's fucking just spewing shit. They're trying to just grab anything they can. I think the one thing the father grabs is his wife's medal from yeah. the Olympics, right? Like, that's it. Because she was like a... She does the she thing threw, where you throw like, the stone. Th- yeah. yeah, where you like throw the thing on the rope and then you let it go. Yeah. I, I can't think of what that is, but 
Um, yeah. Yeah, so he's like trying to save that for her. That's like the one thing he grabs. The and the one thing the, the son grabs is the rock. And then later when they're in the shelter, you know, he's asking his dad what the plan was because his dad had a plan. His, his dad says there is no plan. Like the plan is to have no plan because I think plans, plans get thwarted. Yeah. Look around you, people sleeping in a gym everywhere. None of these people had this as their plan. And so the son basically says, I have a plan to get rich, right? Because he's like holding the stone. And his father's like, why are you still holding that? And he says, it's holding me. He's got this dream being wealthy and getting the things that they're seeing the Park family have. But it's just unrealistic, dude. It's, it's never going to happen. But we'll return to that in a little bit. So trying to get their shit together, they get all get called into work because, wow, it looks beautiful outside with everything being wet. We should have his birthday outside. Don't worry. Everyone has to come. And she's just having this party. I mean, you can literally tell, like, like they were affected by this storm. They haven't washed their clothes. Like They don't even have anything anymore. Yeah. Like, the, the, there's this giant pile of clothes in the gym that was clearly just there to go ahead and grab whatever you can wear. And this is how you can get by in life right now. And so they're, like, just fucking living in devastation. And so they have to, like, pull it together and show up on the whim. The mother's got to go and, like, cook. All of a sudden, you've got the daughter gets pulled in and she's an art teacher, but she has to show up for some reason and like get paid to do this stuff. The daughter wants the son there. So like he's got to get pulled in. And then the worst one is the driver because like not only does he have to take them everywhere, he also is supposed to dress up like a Native American because the kid's super into Native Americans, which I think is like a nod to colonialism. Right. You know what I mean? Like how the indigenous people are there. I think it absolutely is, especially especially when the father's like, no, you're being paid to do this right now. Yeah. This is part of your job. the father's like trying to subtly say like. Not even subtly. He straight up tells him, this is your fucking job. No, no, no. Not, not that. I'm oh. sorry. I meant the other father. Like the driver is basically like, why do I have to do this? Because they have to like do this fake battle that they just like set up impromptu while he's dressed in this, you know, super racist, like Indian (laughs) headdress and shit. Right. Like if somebody did that in any context in a movie nowadays, that's American. Everybody would be like, that's fucked up. And I, I think that's intentional why they do that because it's showing how it's out supposed to the be rich fucked people up. Are. And so the father's just like every level of this, he wants nothing to do with, but he's trying to subtly say it to Mr. Parks. And Mr. Parks, like you said, is like, no, you're getting paid for it. Like he says it straight up and he's flaunting the fact that like he controls his life in his hands, right? Like you're going to like dance like my puppet because I want you to dance like my puppet. I don't care. This has nothing to do with driving. You're going to do this because we're paying you overtime. He's holding it above his head it's so shitty and important to understand that because then everything goes to shit right the son goes to go downstairs and he's taking the rock so he's clearly gonna go to like kill this guy right like the wife we know now she had a concussion she started throwing up she died like this is what we find out the wife of the poor family is putting together a meal and she wants to bring it down to the two to try and iron out stuff and figure something out with them but then of course the rich people intercept it and like take it to the the dinner so it's like even they can't help them because the rich people get in the way it wouldn't even matter though i know but like i'm just i want to like get the intentions out here I because know. you get like the poor people are trying to help each other but the rich people get in but the that's, way that's... and you get the poor person who's going to crush the other poor person but then 
then the crazy dude at the bottom smashes his head and then takes a rock and hits him over the head again. So you've got the poor fighting the poor as well on that. I mean, I literally thought he was dead straight up. And then, he gets, yeah, I did too. He gets fucking brutally yeah, he's got smacked this little in the shake face. of his leg as yeah. if he's having a seizure or something when he gets. So that's the hint that he's alive. But you see that and you just think it's death throws, right? You've got the daughter who stands by and doesn't really do anything. She's just like kind of watching everything. And then you get the father who's roped into the crazy red shit that's going on and just a part of it, right? Like this is all saying how poor people so interact basically, with the rich. Basically, right? that, like that's important to understand each member of that family is showing something that is like holding the poor people down. Passive watching, stuck with the rich, intercepted by the rich, fighting the poor, right? Like that's important, dude. That's like key to this movie, which mm-hmm. is the only reason I'm taking so long talking about this part because like this movie is a metaphor for the struggle of class and if you don't understand the positioning of the four members of the family you just truly don't understand the metaphor in this movie so basically this dude runs up the stairs grabs a kitchen knife can't see because he's blinded by the sun because he probably hasn't ever seen the sun in a really long time yeah gets out immediately freaks out stabs jessica straight the fuck up jessica's bleeding the fuck out uh the father basically knows to stymie the wound yeah with his hand and she's saying don't it hurts more yeah um the mother like runs over to help and then like of course the son's dying which we didn't know at that point the girlfriend finds him because she's looking for him and oh, she right. she's carrying him on the back. So the dad's just holding, you know, the sister down and just trying to be there for her, watching the son get carried away who's been brutally like smashed. And meanwhile up. the insane guy is going to like murder the wife. murder. Yeah. Yeah, he goes to murder the father, and then the mother comes up beside him with a skewer with all this food, you know, like a giant shish kebab, and just puts it through his side. And so, and so we, he falls over. So and then, then we got to mention, too, as, is the reason why it's important that he saw the, the story with uh, the son seeing the guy living in the basement is he had a fucking seizure when that happened. So the mom had heard that if you don't get your child to a hospital within five minutes of a seizure, they will die. Not true at all, by the way. No, not true at in all. In fact, a Bullshit. lot of the time you can have a seizure and there's nothing. The hospital Honestly, that could out. be the most devastating thing in American culture is having a seizure because that's what happens to you going to the hospital. Now you owe a fuck ton of money Yeah, because they couldn't do anything for you and you just used their fucking Uber XL. <laughs> so Mr. Parks goes over to look at the guy dying and he's like, respect to you. Cause right. Like he's yeah. all insane doing the Morse code and all that. And then he like leans down over him. Mr. Kim, the keys, Mr. Kim, the keys. Yeah. He's yelling, Mr. Kim, the keys. And, and he, he goes throws to the keys throw it to him. And then he goes like, and he no, just, no, the keys land underneath that dude's body before he fucking dies. Because this is all happening right, right, all at yeah. once. And then he dies and lays on it. And he's like, like yeah, he he's just like, can't handle the smell. so bad. And that, that's just when Mr. Kim fucking flips the fuck out. Yeah, he finally cracks 100%. puts the butcher knife into his chest. And yeah. then fucking absolute chaos. The rich people are running everywhere. Basically, we're going to cut forward after that. We find out that the son had brain trauma. He's well, like, I mean, it's like immediately implied that he went to the basement. 
like immediately after that whole no, situation. Mr. Cam did. Yeah, Mr. Cam. Which I was going to get to because they reveal that a little bit later. Like you've got you've got the son like has brain trauma, and so the the I, cop is I, in there. I, trying- I really want to talk about this scene. This scene's really important to me specifically because I feel like Bong Ho really tapped into an interesting thing that Japanese people do a lot, where it's this black humor that's just so black. I, this is South Korean, though. I, I know. I know. But like, why I specifically mentioned that is there's an artist called Genji Ito, and he does a lot of really obscure horror-based mangas. And when they talk, when the son's talking about when he, you know, wakes up, he talks about how he was laughing and he couldn't stop laughing. And it's this weird, horrific thing because it's like Jessica fucking died. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was Jessica trying to get at. fucking like, died. He's being read his Miranda rights in the hospital bed, and the guy he's just put laughing off because he's laughing. Right? Yeah. Uh, and they say that's what happens after brain surgery sometimes is like they, they can't stop laughing. And so, yep, his sister's dead. They go to visit it. Like, he's the mother still and laughing. Him, and he's still laughing. And the father, they show a news report, has just disappeared. And that's when he stopped. Yeah. And so after he stops having tails follow him, he climbs up the hill and looks at the house from a distance. And then he sees the light on the side is going off in Morse code. He translates it. And it's the father basically sending him a message saying, I'm down here i'm okay i'm starting to lose track of time right like he's slowly starting to lose his mind too because he's underneath and he was using it as a hideout at first thinking like nobody would be able to move in but then the realtors sold it to a german couple and so he's basically trapped in the basement risking himself every time he has to come up for food really tragic and the son just basically puts together a plan and he thinks he's gonna be rich it's just like that always puts tears in my eyes it's not even like just like he put a plan they show what he's going to do no no they show the fantasy of what yeah that's what be. i'm it's saying they fantasy. show the fantasy which is so much more devastating than him just being like because he writes a letter back too that's like didn't he i mean he's just talking to himself because he can't really give him the letter but yeah. he basically writes a letter out that's like I will become rich and famous. I'll become wealthy. I'll become handsome. And because one of the things before this whole fucking thing with Mr. Kim murdering fucking the dad and shit, the son's talking to what's his face's daughter and is like, listen, do I belong here? Do I fit in here with these people? Am I one of you guys? And she has that pause where she's like, no. You know, but, but she, she says, says she, yes, yeah. she says yes, but she pauses. She wants to fun around with it. Yeah. And it's very much so implied that no, you do not belong here. Yeah. And, you and know, I just want to say, I, I find this the most devastating in the movie. And I, I, I want to say something very, very real, which I think is a big point of this movie. But I just want to say it straight up. When I was in my early 20s, I gave up any hope of being rich. I gave it all up, dude. Like when you're hearing us talk on this podcast, like we're on a network that I fucking started by working my ass off for 11 years. We're never going to get fucking rich off of this shit. I wish we would. Are we will if you subscribe to the Patreon? It. Dude, I would love it if I was just like in a bathroom one day, like a Mr. Show sketch and some guy walks up and goes, hey, Biggs, you got the goods. And then all of a sudden I'm rich and famous. It ain't fucking happening. Like, and this is just to say like, 
I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps and you can't either. This is not a demotivational speech. You physically cannot pull yourself up by bootstraps. And it's the same with being poor. We all look at this like one one hundredth of one percent of people who get wealthy and we fucking idolize it because it's like, yeah, I can get there. You can't fucking get there. It's like an anomaly when it happens. And if you can just let that shit go and accept where you're at, it makes it easier. And that's kind of what the father has done. I I mean, never mind the stabbing in the chest. That's talking about a different thing. But he's let that go because he's just like, you can't fucking get to the top. There is no plan to get to the top. You just have to basically have to be born into it. Everyone's trying so hard. Even the son's like, I could marry her and we yeah, could the son like, is obsessed with this he th- because like let's be honest dude most americans are this way most america you could be in your fucking 60s and you still have that hope that you'll at least win the lottery someday it's not gonna fucking happen i'm sorry i'm not trying to like shit on everybody's dreams but like it's not gonna happen and if you can let that stuff go and just live in the moment of your reality it's easier but people fool themselves and that's what makes this ultimately so fucking tragic in the last scene is the son is not gonna let this dream go Like, he's lost so much trying to attain it for just a moment. Like, it's just a fucking blink of an eye of his life that he got this taste of the good life. And it's just a taste because they're not really living in it. They're just working to help sustain it, right? Because that's what the rich do. They fucking use up the poor to, like, do the things that they don't want to do or can't do because they have no idea because they live these pampered lifestyles forever. So you just just give up that dream. If you can get... It's not like, don't look at it in defeat. Just accept where you're at. You know what I mean? It's like a nerve. Nirvana thing, like just fucking be at peace because when, if me. You, ev- me. <laughs> everybody at some point in this country has had this, and I'm imagining South Korea is no different based off of this it's movie, but has had this fucking long running fantasy of like, this is just until I get famous. This is just until I become a famous oh, actor because yeah, they have a fucking a, rich person. They have like, idol the culture lottery. very hard over there. So. Their whole culture is not their whole culture, but they have a culture that's based around idling people. Remember when we talked about um that was Japan. No, but South Korea is big in that too. Right, but like when you're saying remember how we talked about that's a Japanese. Yeah, movie. no, but but <laughs> I'm talking about idol culture just in right. general. Like yeah. like I'm saying like that's the thing. Idolatry is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all I'm saying is like we all go through this and if you can let that go, it makes life a lot easier. And I'm not even like gonna like call my wife out onto it or anything but like she's just been starting to finally come around to the idea that we're not going to be rich someday and i think in the back of her head she held on to that fantasy for a long time as a lot of people do and it's just like i don't know man i was just in my early 20s and at some point i realized like this is never gonna fucking i got happen. two more years and then i'll probably stop believing <laughs> i i hope you get there because i'm telling you no offense no. dude you're never gonna be rich no i know guess what know. nobody <laughs> you know practically is ever gonna be rich it's, uh, it's we like, know galen Howard <laughs> and he was on Star Wars, so we kind of know a guy who knows a guy. I don't. I, look, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We all know Just-talk somebody, Howard, but once again, one one hundredth of one percent at best. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I know a guy who actually just became independently wealthy. You know him too. That pales in comparison. All the people I know who are not going to become independently. Bix, this wealthy. is what we need to do. We need to grow mustaches and do the Galen Howard hair, and we just just start acting as Galen <laughs> Howard impersonators. Yeah. Cause I'm sure people would love a big giant dude who doesn't know how to act. <laughs> That'll get me not far. 
<laughs> this is why I'm behind a microphone. I can talk. Exactly. <laughs> Play to your strengths. Okay, should we get into the themes? Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to talk about the biggest theme in this class. The Kims are struggling to get by. They have to hustle to get anything. Eventually, they all start working for the Park family who are wealthy. They have to cause other workers for the parks to lose their job because other workers are facing similar struggles. In other words, the lower class has to fight for the scraps of the upper class. Meanwhile, the parks are completely out of touch with the struggles of not just the lower class, but workers in their own household. The mother is zoned out on drugs and out of touch with everything. The father is unhappy with the smell of poverty coming up from his driver. Eventually, violence will be perpetuated. The lower class turns against itself in order to survive. The lower class will also turn against the upper class because of their blind eye to the struggles and having an abundance of the resources lacking for the lower class. And the upper class will lash out at the lower class to maintain their status. I have a theme. Yes. So what what is it? parasite do so you're going to talk about the literal title yeah it feeds off of something else that's happening on both ends here right like you've got the lower class is using the upper class to try and just straight up survive but the upper class can't even function without the lower class they can't do shit dude they can't clean their house they can't wash their clothes they can't teach their kid how to do art they can't drive themselves they can't go shopping by themselves like it's fucking pathetic if you just did away with all the lower class those people are fucked they're gonna starve to death they have no idea how to get by so yeah it like works from both ends definitely right uh, so let's get into the movie behind the movie when Bong Joon-ho was 20 his future wife introduced him to a wealthy family to be a math tutor despite the fact that he was terrible at math he used to fantasize about getting his friends to trick their way into the household working for him Bong was then working on Snowpiercer when he got the idea to write Parasite as a play he was thinking about a maid who is poor has access to all the private areas of someone who is rich eventually flipped it into a screenplay while making Okja, Bong Joon-ho had his production assistant Han Jin-wan start working on it. He interviewed housekeepers, tutors, and drivers for months. He took pictures of lower class and upper class neighborhoods in Seoul. He did such a good job that Bong had him write three drafts of the screenplay. Bong then took elements from them and wrote the final script and gave Han Jin-wan credit for it. So that's pretty fucking great, especially the rules are different in South Korea than they are in America because this is a South Korean production. So like that guy was super fun fucking honored that he would share credit with them so i thought that was cool like shows bong jun ho is a dude he's the goat yeah he's fucking dope it's pretty good uh song kang ho was signed on before bong was finished writing it they had done Snowpiercer, the host and memories of murder together so that was the actor you were talking about he's the one who who plays the, the driver dad. the two living spaces were built from scratch the lower class space was built on a set that had a giant water tank for flooding the upper house was built on an outdoor lot so that it could feature the lighting and warm tones the top floor was done with a green screen right outside the window anything beyond on the garden is vfx so like you see that garden there and all that other stuff is just digital effects to make it look oh like yeah i mean if you look hill. at the peach fuzz that's digital effects like hard <laughs> probably dude. yeah they show the little peach dust just fuzz. like flying out the film has only two-thirds of the average cuts in a Korean film because Bong Joon-ho prefers to keep longer shots and do pans, and he likes to edit with the camera. So what I mean for that is, like, there's a scene where these people are running up the stairs, and then they turn to show the kitchen, and then they, like, zoom in on the garbage can. 
this would typically be three or four shots that are put together, but because he pans, he does all of these shots in one take. So it's a little bit more difficult to do it, but it makes it run easier. It's this is just part of his style. It looks really nice. Bong had to convince the marketers of the film to keep the title Parasite. They were worried that the audiences would be turned off by the idea of a poor family leeching off of a rich family. But Bong pointed out to them that the rich family was also leeching off of the poor family because they're completely unable to do anything for themselves. And then after the Academy Award, the film had the biggest Oscar effect since Gladiator 18 years earlier. It performed 230% higher the week following the Academy Awards. So what are the rules, Jeremiah? Never slip. Always be in character. Never slip. Don't let your emotions get in the way. Shut everything down and just mooch off the rich. (laughs) (laughs) until you become them via marriage you said it all dude (laughs) Uh, is the title of the movie said in the movie uh no yeah i don't remember parasite ever being said but it definitely describes the movie Mm -hmm. it works does it end at the right moment man i think it does i think it does too i think it does because i think part of the lower class continuing is an unrealistic belief that you know what you know what like the upper class you know what would have been better if this is how it ends we don't know that his dad's staying there until the last minute when he goes up to hike. Like, cause you know, it basically tells you right before he goes on the hike, like his dad was living there. Like he probably moved in. Right. But what if like he goes up the hill and then he realizes that his dad's living in there. And then that's how the movie ends. I don't like that. Instead of, Instead of having the fantasy. I don't like that. You know why? Because that ends with like, oh, your father's okay, but he's in this position, like push to the lower class. They already have that, but then you add in the fucking capper that's so devastating in this movie, which is that unrealistic fantasy that someday I'll be rich. I think so much of this movie hinges on that idea, and so it just brings that theme home to me. I think you have to end with that flashback. Right. Does the story continue? I wanted to, yeah. I don't know how, though. I'll be honest. This is the first thing I feel like I've watched where I wanted to end negatively, but I also wanted to end somewhat positively. You can't watch these people and not root for them, even though they're doing terrible things. But it's like the realistic, like, do I want to lie to myself about that dude, like, I think we established this with my speech. I don't want to lie to myself. So I feel very. That's why I wanted to end this. I feel very torn on, like, a continuation at all. I'm interested to see what they're going to do. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> you got to wait. <laughs> no. The ACV MVP. The Rock. Yeah, that's ah, exactly where I was dope. going to. Like, it brings fortune, misfortune, and works as a weapon. Right. It's like gemstone. Yeah. It's <laughs> versatile. So the reception, it made $263 million worldwide off of an $11 million budget. That's 24 times its budget. It's pretty fucking good. Uh, Leah Greenblatt of Entertainment Weekly said, if the movie is a Rorschach of who you identify as Parasite and host, it's a test that you're likely going to fail. A film-going experience that refuses to fit into any box and forces viewers to breathe the dangerous air outside of it too. David Sims of The Atlantic says Parasite stands out for having less of an auteur genre selling point, but that just makes sense in its narrative swerve even more chilling. All the viewer knows is that Bong is telling a story about humans, which means it can be a perfect comedy until it becomes a tragedy. So influences. So Bong Joon-ho did the hard work for us and like cited off some influences. So I'm going to list two of them here. So one is a movie called The Housemaid. 
made. He said staircases play an important part in visually showing the sense of infiltration that's at the core of Parasite. The Korean 1960 classic The Housemaid by Kim Ki-young, whom I consider my mentor, is also about a housemaid infiltrating a middle-class family featuring a staircase in one of its pivotal scenes. And then Psycho, which he says was another key reference. While not as rich, Norman Bates's house is also a two-story home with a staircase that leads to secrets lurking underneath. What it influenced? So the one I, I wrote down is Squid Game here. It's a Korean show about how the lower class is impossibly stuck and in desperation that will do anything to get out. A natural watch for people who love Parasite. And I don't think Squid Game takes off in a big way here if Bong Joon-ho doesn't give his speech at I, the Golden Globes. I absolutely agree. I think Bong Joon, because it's like like what I said about watching the host, that was like underground, like, oh, you like horror movies? You got to watch this like deep cut fucking like horror movie by this guy. And he got really shafted with Snowpiercer. Fuck Weinstein. They butchered his like, that movie should have blew up. And that movie uh, is like insanely popular now, but yeah. when it came out, even before it, Parasite, like it was one of those ones where like people saw it and it was a cult classic, like it just built and built right. and built, like and also had a big life because of Netflix. It stayed on Netflix for a long, long right. time. That's how we got Oakjaw on Netflix. Yeah, was like they were like, Man, Snowpiercer performs so well, let's get another one. But of I feel like movies. that that popularity didn't come until Netflix. I feel like it wasn't he had to build his popularity, like people don't sure. just come out of nowhere, you know. I feel like if Snowpiercer was perceived well in the box office, it, he, he would have blew up a lot harder, faster. I, I do believe there was some sabotage because he did get in the thing with Weinstein where Weinstein wanted to fucking change shit and he was like, fuck you, no. Well, we'll get back to that when we yeah. get in a Snowpiercer episode. That sounds like a movie behind the movie there. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, and getting back to my point, I don't think that Squid Game takes off in a big way if Bong Joon-ho doesn't give mm-hmm. his speech at the Golden Globes where he says, once you overcome the one-inch tall barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. He then won four Oscars and America suddenly went crazy for it, which has led to middle America watching more subtitle content. Dude, I don't Dude in the last two years, I've seen so many more people who would never watch subtitle films. I don't think we were get... like, you know, I, I don't mind subtitles now i don't think we get a kim's convenience which is one of my favorite korean soap operas we don't get that on netflix if bong ho doesn't blow up i feel like bong ho blew the lid off of like korean film film i'm not people. gonna go that far but no, I, I, kim's I do Convenience is so much different for than, like, sure but that's like like i'm just saying i feel like with foreign stuff korean people really weren't popularized until recently like squid games would definitely not be a thing they're starting to kim, have a moment kim yeah. convenience would not well, be specifically, they're starting to have a moment in the United States. Yeah, we that's remember what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying because it's like we know that you know other cultures have their movie styles, but like I feel like the Koreans really haven't been in that race until now. And it's like uh, Train to Busan. Like there's there's definitely a resurgence of Korean artists that are being seen right now, and it's fucking pretty dope because Squid Games is pretty sick, honestly. Yeah. Like Train to Busan, fucking dope zombie movie on a train. Maybe eh, I don't know. Anyways. Uh, if you want to do it, we'll do it. We probably should. It's a but good movie. Not next. Not next. <laughs> we got, we've got to line up for a right. little bit. So The Legacy, it won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, becoming the first film in six years to get a unanimous vote. It was also Best International Picture at the Independent Spirit Awards, winning many other award shows along the way before it was nominated for six Oscars, winning four Best International Feature Film, Original Screenplay, Director, and Best Picture. It was the first foreign language film to win Best Picture. So that's pretty fucking good. Donald Trump, the 
day after criticized the movie, saying, How bad were the Academy Awards this year? Did you see? And the winner is a movie from South Korea? What the hell was that all about? We've got enough problems with South Korea with trade, and on top of it, they give them the best movie of the year. Was it good? I don't know. Can we get gone with the win back, please? Can I go just... Can, Fuck, I just Can we get gone with dog. the win back? Let's take out the foreign language like Korean movie and replace it with one about owners of a plantation in a good light. Fuck you, Donald Trump. But also, like many people in America had that reaction and it made Parasite super blow up. So that was part of that bump, mm-hmm. too, I think, was Trump turning against the it. Blow up. Yeah, you want something to blow up, have Trump talk against it. Mm -hmm. You're just going to make people like it. (laughs) Radicalize 40% of the population right there. Uh, Other source material, there's a black and white edition, which saw a limited theatrical (gasps) run. Is there really? And it's available on the Criterion Collection DVDs and Blu-rays. Not on on 4K. That's okay. I'm down to buy the fucking... The black and white edition. Did you watch the black and white Logan? Yes. It's, it's a vibe, dude. I, I watched it because you lent it to me. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, this is going way back before we were recording podcasts together. Right. HBO is developing a six-hour miniseries of Parasite with Bong Joon-ho and Adam McKay as the showrunner. It would take place between sequences of the movie. I don't know what that means. What Tilda's, the fuck does that mean? Tilda Swinton's confirmed for the show. I don't know. It could be like extra people are in it, but I know Bong Joon-ho is actually involved On the in real, it. though, the snow. No Piercer show is blowing the lid off of like the concept of Snow Piercer. It is really good. It makes me feel bad that the movie is not as good because the show is really good and it's not a TNT show, bro. Yeah, like, no. well, it, how it's the also, fuck? It's also based off a comic book, so it's like this is an IP that Bong Joon Ho owns either. You know, like he was adapting something, so. right? But they definitely follow his blueprint, but what they add and take away, it is in the same universe for sure. I'll, like, I'll check it out at some point, but I am excited for the show because Bong Joon Ho is actually, yeah, me too, really working on it, and Adam McKay the movies he does like Don't Look Up The Big Short I haven't watched Vice. Don't Look Up yet oh, it's really good but I was like, very this big this is fan right of up Adam McKay's alley like this is the kind of thing that he talks about in his movies a lot so like the fact that he's teamed up with Bong Joon-ho I don't see how this is bad so I'm really looking I just want to know it. like is it going to be in between like, like what the fuck is in between sequences I would sequences? not obsess over it because we have no fucking idea ah. like and they're not saying anything so I know we're just not going to know until we know but Tilda Swinton's in it which tells me there's at least people who aren't Korean in the show, so I don't know what they do with that. But um, would you buy this for 4K? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not even a question. I'd buy this in 4K and the VHS copy so I can really feel the poverty vibe. Just to be clear, I thought this was one of the best movies ever made when I watched it in the theater the first year of its run. Uh, coming back and visiting it three years later, I think it's one of the best movies ever made. Hands like, down. I really do. Uh, I was already a Bong Ho fan just in general. And Me too. When I watched this movie, it had so much to say. Like, that's why I was saying experience it without subtitles and really just trying to feel the characters it, it was a whole Dude, level visually of everything emotions. in this house everything works like you've got the two houses broken down and like everything you need to know about what's going on you can tell by their basement apartment and by the way they by interact, that house and language. the levels of the house so the production design is on point like we already talked about the lighting and how important it is in this movie. The direction is perfect. The acting is just fucking top notch. It is kind of a bummer that nobody got nominated for this movie because like mm-hmm. there was like three or four people that probably should have gotten a nomination. Hard. The, 
the father above everybody else, dude. All the stuff he communicates in such a simple way is, like, fucking amazing. Like, the driver, I mean. There's a few performances that are just really, really amazing in this movie. Uh, how does this movie remind Jeremiah of Apocalypse Now? Yes. I mean, they're going down the river, baby. They're going down the river into Cambodia, you know, and then they, they reached it and, you know, Colonel Kurtz was uh, the fucking dude in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that is a parallel. That's right what I'm there. saying. Colonel Kurtz They're was the dude in the basement. And they like yeah. take charge at a certain point and slaughter. <laughs> right. Literally, dude. Yeah. Okay, so sign up for a free account with Anchor and you can leave us a voice message by following the link in the description of this podcast. Vote on our polls. Yeah, and vote on our polls. Listen to us through Spotify account, and you can tell us what movie you'd like to hear in the future. There's a thing where we ask a question, and it'll come up. And the question every week is going to be, what movie would you like to hear us do, and why? So if you do that, we'll consider doing the movie. There's a pretty good chance I'll watch just about anything, as long as we haven't done it yet. A Cosmic Void was created and hosted by Alex Small and Jeremiah Perez. The theme song was written and produced by Tom Smith. Follow Jeremiah Perez on Instagram at Vex Till Death. Follow me, the show, and Redwood Sound Labs on Instagram at Red Redwood underscore sound underscore labs or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Redwood Sound Labs. You can read short reviews of every movie I watch on Letterboxd under Alex Big Small. And join us next week when we talk about the George Romero classic Night of the Living Dead. Podcast about the narrative and effective politics of war movies and their productions too. Charles Horgan and Aaron Donaldson bring you a brand new podcast, The Real War Project. Dip in and out of subjects with Lauren and Sarah's irreverent points of view with the hilarious podcast, Dippers. Catch up with the week's pop culture news as well as reviews of new movies and shows, not to mention the occasional interview with Carl, Brandon, and Biggs on Not Safe for Network. Wrestlers wrestle, but sometimes they make movies too. This podcast lets you know how they do. Listen to Eric and Connor in all three seasons of Movies with Wrestlers. One by one, Jeremiah and Biggs break down influential movies and some wretched ones too in the podcast you can't miss, A Cosmic Void.